Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Where the River Begins by Patricia Sanjin and with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 10, Questions. Francis went to church with the family for the first time on Sunday and thought that he might find out something about God there, but he could make nothing of the service, and halfway through he decided he had better give up. So he spent the sermon time drumming his heels and thinking about Tyke. But even if he could not understand in church, there was no mistaking the love at home. It took Francis only a short while to discover that where a mother and father truly love each other, children are happy and busy, and no one wants to pinch or quarrel much. There was a lot of laughter, too, and pleasure in being together. The time they all seemed closest was when they sat at the hearth rug around after supper and Mr. Glenny read the Bible to them and prayed. Each night of that week they read more of what Jesus did said to his disciples the night before he died, and it seemed to Francis that they must all have stayed up very late to have heard as much as that. He did not understand a great deal except the word love, which came over and over again. Jesus seemed to think it was extremely important. He was rather disappointed about helping on the farm. This farm was quite unlike his toy model or farms he'd read about in books, and Uncle John's great concern was that he should keep out of the way of the machinery. However, there were moments. He liked going out in the evening to call in the cattle and then running ahead to stand on the platform in the stall and watch them come in an orderly procession to munch their food and their feed. He liked the hum of the machinery and the sound of the swirling mill cascading into the great refrigerated container. Even more, he enjoyed carrying the food to the calves and watching them jostle each other on wobbly legs and plunging their, plunging their noses into the mixture or, as they grew older, butting their, head, their foreheads together as they fought for feed. Uncle John had a herd of 40 pedigree cattle, and the number of them were calving just, at that, just then. One never-to-be-forgotten night, they all crouched quietly on the straw in their robes and watched a calf being born. But what he really loved best was the river. Whenever he could, he would escape and run along the river watching the swans and the ducks and the moorheads and sometimes throwing stones at them for fun. He found the dam and noticed that after a rather dry march, the water looked quite shallow. He wondered how they ever felt so frightened. He wandered further to the place where the tributary joined the larger river and found a fan-shaped beaches where the cattle came down to drink in the early morning. One day, he and Martin painted the little boat and brought down the oars and went for a ride in it. But the ride was not as exciting as before because it kept getting stuck in the reeds. He liked Martin, but privately thought of him a rather tame little boy, perfectly content with his home, his school, his village, Scott Pack, and the countryside. Francis felt he taught he could teach him a thing or two and tried one day when they were sauntering down the river looking for swan nest in the reeds. The lambs in the pastures on the other sides were making a tremendous crying, and Martin was telling him about some boys who had tried to steal a swan's egg, and the police had gone after them because the swans belonged to the queen and they're under the royal protection. Pooh, said Francis, that's nothing. Before I came here, I belonged to a gang that had knives and bombs and things, and the police caught me and I didn't tell them a thing. It's easy to fool the police. What did you do with guns and bombs, asked Martin. Oh, we... We slashed tires and bashed phone booths and blew people up. Why? Whatever for? Francis hesitated. He had no answer to that one. 
Why had they done it? Oh, just for fun, he answered rather lamely. Well, it doesn't sound much fun to me, and I bet it wasn't much fun for the people who got blown up. Besides, I don't believe it. Children don't have bombs. Look at those two long-tailed tights. I think they're going to build a nest. Stand still and watch. Francis scolded at Martin, standing motionless among the daisies, and far more interested in two silly birds than his own dangerous, glorious deeds. And he had not... He was not any more successful with little Chris. He and Chris were sitting on the steps together eating bread and jam, and Chris was jesting excitingly up and down. I'm going to Cubs tonight in my new uniform, he announced. Are you going Are you going to Cubs, Francis? No, scoffed Francis, who wanted to go very much. You do sissy things in scouts. I belong to a real gang before I came here, and we used to go out at night with guns and knives and things. Chris looked at him, neither shocked nor impressed, and merely entertained. What did you do with him, he asked. Did you kill people dead? Francis, glancing round to see that Auntie Allison was well out of earshot, started off in a highly colorful account of his own evil deeds. And Chris listened calmly enough. Well, he said at last, you're not as clever as my daddy. We had a cow which nearly died, and my daddy made it come alive again. It's much cleverer to make something alive what was dead than to make something dead that what was alive. So there. Francis gave up. What do you know, he muttered, you and your old scouts. He stumped upstairs, stomped upstairs and lay down in his bed with his dirty boots on because he was not allowed to and stayed there sulking for a time. He felt homesick for his mother and even homesick for the gang and yet these questions nagged at him. Why had they done it? Had it really been fun? Was healing and helping really better than bashing and destroying? Was loving better than hating and punching, pinching? He'd only been at the farm for ten days, and yet he was having so many strange new thoughts. It was all most bewildering. Later on, he sat alone at the kitchen table, bored and cross, turning the pages of a magazine. Uncle John was out milking. Kate was manipulating the TV, the television with a program that did not interest him, and Auntie Allison was ironing. Martin and Chris had gone off to scouts and cubs and invited him to go, too, but after all he had said, he was too proud to accept. He would make some excuses and go <clears throat> go the following week. In the meantime, his gaze wandered around the room and came back, as usual, to rest on the misspelled card on the wall. Auntie Allison, he said suddenly, where's God? Auntie Allison nearly dropped the iron. She had quite forgotten the cross boy at the table. God, she repeated, he's... He's everywhere, she paused to think. Everything you see, Francis, the flowers, the river, the calves, the birds, the stars, all life and color and beauty come from him. God is like the source of a beautiful river. Yes, but where is he, persisted Francis. She switched off the iron and came and sat down beside him. It's a good question, Francis, she said, because you'll never be happy until you find him. All love and happiness flow from him, and he wants you to find him. He loves you. He came to you. What? said Francis. Yes, he came to you and Jesus. We couldn't see God, so he became a man. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father, God. Listen very carefully when we read about Jesus at night, because you begin to know Jesus, you'll begin to know God. God showed us his love in Jesus, and Jesus spent his whole life loving, healing, helping, and in the end he died because he loved us so much. You'll hear about that tomorrow night because it's the evening 
before Good Friday, the day Jesus died on the cross about 2,000 years ago. People still remember that day all over the world. She was speaking very slowly, uncertain how best to explain. And Francis stared out the window at the last light behind the line of poplars along the riverbank. This conversation had started up a new train of thought. All rivers have sources, don't they, he said. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where's the source of this river? I don't know, but I could find out. Somewhere far up in the hills, there must be a spring bubbling up from the earth, and the rain falls high up there, so it gets bigger and bigger, and other streams join it. And wherever they go, everything grows green and beautiful. Francis was silent. Much of what Annie Allison had said had gone over his head, but two things remained, because anything to do with the river fascinated him. God is like the source of a beautiful river. All love and happiness flow from him. Kate came in at that point, put on the light, and offered to get supper. Kate was 15, tall and slender with long, fair hair, and she did not approve of Francis and thought her parents were far too lenient with him, and Francis considered a perfect pain. He was not going to talk in front of her, so he stepped out into the dust that smelled so sweet of new grass and catkin pollen and cows and wandering down the river and wandered down the river. It lapped in the reeds where the swans and the moorheads hens were going to nest. A water rat splashed in the amber current and made him jump. God is like the source of a beautiful river. All love and happiness flow from him. If he could somehow find that source, he supposed that he would be happy, and perhaps Mum and Dad would love each other, and Gloria would, would get out, and Mum would get better, and Wendy would stop pinching, and Tyke would stop wanting to do him in. What else had she said? He tried to remember. When you begin to know Jesus, you'll begin to know God. He had better listen very carefully tonight. And tomorrow we'll read chapter 11, The Source. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I will see you tomorrow. Lord willing. Bye-bye.